they were looking at the culture of family. Now, as, as I look around at you all here, there's some of you I know really, really well. There's some of you I just know a little bit, or we've known each other for a few years, but we haven't really gone deep. There's others I don't know at all. And I was thinking that as, uh, as Paul the Apostle was writing to the Christians in different cities, uh, that would have been the same situation with him. He would have really known some of them, others he wouldn't have known. But I'm wondering, do you know what word did he use to refer to those Christians? Okay, anyone want to hazard, give a guess? Like what word were he saying? He didn't say Christians, you Christians in Colossae, or Christians in Galatia. What, what word did he, did he use? Family. Sorry? Family? Brothers? Okay, yes. So, Jimmy, can you go on to, there's a Greek word, adelphoi. So that was discipleship from last year. Okay, adelphoi was the word he used. And that means brothers and sisters. Now, in some, in most of the older translations, it's translated as brethren. That also means brothers and sisters in Christ. In many translations, it's translated as brothers, but it was referring to believers, both male and female. So really, brothers and sisters is a, is a better translation. So for example, he starts his letter to the Church of Colossae saying, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful Adelphoi in Christ. Uh, or in other words, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Then in Philippians, he exhorts the believers, Adelphoi, keep going, Jim, good. Rejoice in the Lord. Our brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And again in Corinthians, and ending his letter to the Corinthians, he says, all the Adelphoi here send you greetings. So in fact, that word, that Greek word, the New Testament was written in Greek, it's used 343 times in the New Testament. In 25 out of the 27 books, fellow believers are called Adelphoi. If Paul was here, that's what he would call us. So how can we be brothers and sisters if we don't even really know each other? Well, of course, it's because we are children of God. So John, the disciple, in the gospel, he wrote, to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And Paul, as we've seen, understood that believers are family. And he wrote about us being adopted into God's family. So when writing to the Galatian believers, he wrote, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And so that word adoption was the word that was used referring to full legal standing as an adopted heir in Roman culture. So it's not like a half adopted, it's not like, oh, you're kind of mine, you're kind of not. It's a full 
adopted. So it's just like amazing that God would use that picture for us. And he goes on just later on to say, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you a mayor. So we can call him Abba. Did you know little Zion at the back is starting saying, Dada. Yeah, Dada Patrick. Like there they are, just at the back. See that? That's a picture. Okay, a picture of God is at the back at the church there. Okay, he's with his dada. <laughs> and you know, as parents, we don't likely say, you're my child. Like it's something, it's something really precious. It's something really special. Like think of it, what it means when you say, ah, that's my son. That's my daughter. There's such a depth of connection in that. And so, uh, you know, we say it of our natural children. We say it uh, of what we might call our spiritual children or of some others who we have a special, special relationship with. We might say, oh, that one's like a child to me. That's like, that's like a parent to me. Now, some of you may not have had good relations with parents, but when God is using it, he's referring to the very best of what fatherhood can be. And to me, it is, a, it is so reassuring that God uses that picture. You know, when I think how annoying and naughty kids can be, you know, and yet God uses that picture. I know as a mum, I still keep loving through that. And so then that's a very special picture that he uses of us. But now, if each of, his, of us is his child, what does that make us? Okay, look around at your brothers and sisters. God declares that we are family. So we don't choose our family in the natural, and we don't in the church. You might not have chosen some of the characters here, but God's declaring that we are, we are family. And so the past year we in the leadership, we've gone through a strategic planning process, and as we were looking at what the culture of KIC is, and what we want it to be, family was really a word that came out really strongly. We see that God calls it, us into his family. That's what he is like. And we here in this little part of his great big church, we want to be the physical representation of God's heart for people. So today we want to consider what did it mean to be brothers and sisters or part of one family in the early church? And what does it mean for us in KIC congregation today to have this culture of family. So the first thing I suggest is belonging. All right. So in the natural, you know, even if you've been away from home, you've stayed quiet a while, when you go back, there's a sense of belonging, that I'm part of this group. 
And again, I realize for some people that might not be true. It might be more with close friends where you more experience that sense of belonging. So I want you to think now about when you're at home with like husband, wife, or with parents, or when you're with those special close friends, what is it that helps you feel that you belong? Okay, are you ready to be ready to tell someone? Okay, that's um, and I want you to think more about the interactions rather than the physical place. Like, what is it about the interactions that make you feel you belong? Okay, find someone beside you and tell them. Sisters. 
acknowledging we're part of one family. And so the good news uh, that we proclaim as Christians is that we are his children, that we're part of his household. And we don't want to be like the older brother in the prodigal son story that Jesus told, that older brother who didn't want to welcome the younger son back into the family. So at KICL, we chose family as a key culture that we want to develop, that when anyone comes and joins us, they have a sense of belonging. And what each of us does contributes to the development of this culture. It's like, I think it's something people have said we are strong at, but as Paul said to the Thessalonians, brothers and sisters do so more and more. And so just, just take a moment yourself to think what that might mean for you to contribute. How might you contribute to developing and growing that culture of family? So what does it mean for us here to have a culture of family? The first one then was belonging. And the second one then that I'm suggesting is unity in diversity. So as we look around the church, there's quite a lot, there's a lot of diversity, people from different parts of Uganda, different parts of the world. There's also people with different priorities and ways of doing things, people of different ages, we might feel that those older than us don't understand us, or that those younger than us we can't really relate to. There might even be some historical conflict or tension between our ancestors and the ancestors of someone else here. That was the situation in the early church between Jews and Gentiles. And Paul spoke into that when he was writing to the Ephesian Christians. And he said, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Like in one sense, that would have been unimaginable. Like there was such a divide. Like how can this be? Later on, he goes on to say, to reconcile both of them, Jew and Gentile, to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So that's what Jesus did. He put to death our hostility. But we have to choose to walk in it. So when it says to reconcile both of them, in the US, that might be Republicans and Democrats. In South Africa, it might be black and white South Africans. In Uganda, it might be one tribe against how we view another tribe. And these things run deep because we've had generations, the kind of things we've heard since we were toddlers about the other or about ourselves. These are such deep things. So who is it for you? We want to walk in the peace that Jesus has bought for us on the cross and not allow any dividing walls to grow in the church family here.
So just a few verses later, in verse 19, Paul calls the Gentiles members of God's household together with the Jews. So the Jews for centuries had seen themselves as part of the household of God. But now that other group, the Gentiles, the ones they'd looked down on, the ones who they felt were like pagans so far from God, with cultures that were so offensive, like even what they ate, how they did things. It was now being declared that the Gentiles were now members of God's household, and God was doing the miracle of making the two groups one. So like if God could do that then, he can do it now. With us, within us, it's, it's within us. Who are those, where are those ancient prejudices that are, are within us? He can do it, but we have to choose to walk in it. So we do learn some of these lessons about two becoming one in marriage. So Jerry, as you, many of you know, is very different to me. You know, he doesn't always do things the way that I think he should. He, over the years, he hasn't always been what my original picture of my perfect husband has been. But the amazing thing is that as we walk together, as I got to know and got closer, like it's far more, it's much more wonderful than that old picture. Uh, but we again have to choose to walk in it. We have to walk in choosing forgiveness, openness, respect, laying aside offense. You know, and as we look at each other in this room, there's many reasons we could get offended. You know, he's too loud, she's too quiet, too late, too bossy, doesn't contribute, talks too much, never breathes, too judgmental, too unreliable. Like, there's so many things we can say about each other. But Paul writes in Ephesians 4 to the same, the same church, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So at KSIL, KICL, we chose family as a key culture that we want to develop, that when anyone comes and joins us, they have a sense of unity in the midst of diversity. And again, what each of us does contributes to the development of that culture. So if we hold anything against anyone who's different to us, we need to lay it down. In the cross, he's put to death our hostility, he's destroyed the barriers, he offers us the opportunity to be free from those age-old prejudices. Walk in the freedom that he offers. Okay, how do we walk in that freedom? The same way that we always do. Repent, accept his forgiveness, and walk in the power of his spirit that God freely gives us. Okay, so what does it mean for us to have a culture of family? I've suggested belonging, unity and diversity, and thirdly, going deeper in relationships. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
I hope that in your life that you can think of situations where someone has been with you, supporting you when things were difficult, helping you to carry a heavy load. And even if that difficulty went on for some time, that that person was still with you, carrying it. We're called to do that as part of family. But that, that type of relationship won't be with everyone. But let's ask God, who is he asking us to walk alongside and help carry their burdens? So uh, in the church newsletter, the Mosaic newsletter, Beth emails it out every uh, every two weeks. And just to say, if you wish to receive it, um, I know Maria was collecting people's names at the back. Like if you don't get it and you want to receive it, you, uh, you can give it to Maria or to Beth. But um, in the newsletter this past week, Irene gave a testimony that I really appreciate. So Irene at present is, is with uh, the, the kids. But she was saying how at the at see here, that she uh, experienced this kind of family and this kind of care. That her family have been invited like, to like, four different families' homes and some of those times happened when she was really feeling low. She was also sharing how she feels comfortable to open up and to share with people. And um, one of our other cultures is being authentic and Beth is going to be speaking about that in some weeks' time. So each of us has a responsibility as a sister or brother to not stay isolated, but to reach out to others. Each has a responsibility to look beyond ourselves and stand with others to support them. And as we read, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Or as John puts it in his letter, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So laying down our lives, that's being ready to put others' needs before ourselves. And again, that's ending with that word Adelphoi, brothers and sisters. So by God's grace, let us build the culture of family. Where there's a sense of belonging, there's unity and diversity, there's going deeper in relationships and bearing one another's burdens. But I realize it can, it can be hard to do this and it can be hard to love in this way and to love as a brother or sister if you have experienced hurt or rejection from your own family or even from your church family. And as we come to an end, I'd invite anyone who would like prayer to come forward. I mean, it can be prayer for anything, but particularly if you feel that there's some uh, hurt or rejection in your life that's stopping you moving forward into the fullness of what God's calling you 
as his child and his brother and sister, sister with, with others here. So uh, I'll invite leaders and intercession group to be, come to be ready to pray with people. So I will close in prayer and people are either free to go and chat or to come forward then uh, for prayer. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the amazingness that you, the almighty God, creator of heavens and earth, that you call us your children, that that's the picture you use to describe the relationship you want with us and how you view us. And we really rejoice in that and are thankful for that. And Lord, we want to uh, walk in that. We want this place for our, our body of believers here to be a place where we really walk in being brothers and sisters to each other. Lord, uh, as we think of the week ahead, Lord, we, th we think of uh, Good Friday, what you've done on the cross. And though it's hard to understand everything, we know that it was just, you did something amazing there in terms of breaking the power of evil in the world and evil in our